You are meant to be vital, vibrant and healthy is what my guest today said. Feeling energetic is something that we all deserve. How can you get that? In today's episode, we answer three key questions. How can we prevent fatigue, tipping to chronic fatigue under difficult situations? What causes chronic fatigue? What can you do to recover from chronic fatigue? Wendy Trubo, MD is a functional medicine gynecologist practicing functional medicine since 2009. Through her struggles with mold and metal toxicity, celiac disease and a variety of health issues, Trubo has developed a deep sense of compassion for what her patients are facing. She co-authored the book Dirty Girl, Ditch the Toxins, Look Great and Feel Freaking Amazing, which became an Amazon bestseller in five categories in the first 24 hours of publication. Let's get started. Hey everyone, I'm Deepa, Light Functional Medicine Practitioner, author and you and you're listening to the Sleep Whisperer podcast, the only sleep podcast with conversations and meditations. I'm on a mission to share profoundly insightful sleep conversations with global visionaries that merge together functional medicine and ancient wisdom. Breathe in bliss through weekly guided meditations and let yourself enter the land of dreams. Together, let's unravel the pieces, get to the roots and understand the right tools to transform your sleep completely. Through this podcast, I want you to dream the best version of yourself. It's time to regain hope and begin your sleep journey. Dr. Trubo, pleasure to have you back on the show today and we're talking about fatigue and sleep. We had a wonderful episode last time where we spoke about how hormones impact women, uh, how toxins impact women's hormones and it was a hugely popular episode. I personally loved it. And I think we need to go a little deeper, deeper dive into toxins in the context of fatigue. There's so much spoken about everyone on social media today about chronic fatigue, about there's just, you know, you hear that no matter what supplements at times people are taking, I think the missing piece is there and there are people taking a lot of high quality supplements and still struggling with fatigue. So I would love to talk a little bit specifically about this and uh, of course fatigue and sleep carry that bidirectional axis where at times you're so exhausted but when you go to bed at night you struggle to fall asleep and then if you have perpetual sleep deprivation no matter what you do during the day you just can't pull yourself past that heaviness of fatigue. So let's just start by talking into I know that your specialty area is toxins so is there a link between toxins themselves in the context of chronic fatigue yeah Deepa this is such a great question because 
I don't think most people think of toxins when they think about how fatigued they are. And I know, you know, we were talking about how sleep and fatigue, you can't, you can't separate them. And most people don't think about toxins as being an underlying cause because you think, okay, if I get exposed to something, it'll make me sick or it'll make me vomit or it'll, it'll make me eventually have cancer. But we don't think about what it's doing on a cellular basis in the meantime, where any of these toxins we're exposed to end up causing profound inflammation. And then when you layer that inflammation and all the exposures onto, we have very big lives. We, even though we know we need more sleep, we work very hard and sort of almost work against ourselves. Like, oh, I only need five hours of sleep or I stayed up for 36 hours. I'm like, that is not a badge of honor, right? So, so ensuring that, so when you layer on all of these toxins with our lifestyle, we are pretty much tanked before we even get up in the morning because there's a lot happening for our bodies. And you put that so beautifully about the badge of honor because we all are guilty of doing that at times. And I used to do that a lot about, you know, that I've got so much work, I just couldn't sleep. And then along the way, I had to actually retrain my mindset that that was not honoring who I am. And I think mindset plays such a key role. Um, So... When you talk about fatigue itself, before we go into toxins, I'd love to know from you, is there a difference between somebody says I'm having chronic fatigue or just general fatigue? Like what is exactly fatigue? When do we technically say we are fatigued? Yeah, I think that's such a really great distinction. So so if you don't sleep well and you have a hard day, you're tired. So you could be fatigued, but after one good night of rest, you should feel better. Now, I will say that the the true post-call day, right? Because we would be on call for 24 hours. So the day you get off call, that's not your post-call day. It's the next day. Those are often really brutal. If you've had a really, if you've been up for, think about it, 36 hours or something, the day after you really are recovering. So sometimes it takes people two days to recover from being up that long or from a bad night's rest. But if you have your bad day, bad night, and then you have a couple of days of rejuvenation and resting, you're not feeling great. Now you've crossed into, okay, I've got, I've got true sort of chronic fatigue as a fatigue, as opposed to just being tired. Okay. And that's a little more complicated because toxins play a role. Infections play a role. Thoughts play a role lifestyle plays a role, food, there's just so many things that will go into that. But it really does cross the line when you don't feel better after a few days of rest. And Wendy, do talk to us about before we know that we have to look deeper, maybe we need to consider that there's some deep level toxicity and we need to address certain systems are there some basics that we can do for ourselves if we are having um, maybe our lives are a bit hectic at the moment like you described being on call and you know these are unusual situations they're not always something that's going on perpetually But before we go into the deeper aspects, what can we do when we are struggling with certain stressful times? I know that 
right now I'm having a lot going on and uh, these are an unusual situation. It's not as if uh, it's part of my life or it's my physiology that's protesting. So during these times where there's a lot on our plate, what are the recommendations that we can bring into our life to support so that we don't tip over post this phase? It's so interesting. Whenever the going gets tough, that's when we're most vulnerable at doing what doesn't work for us. But I always say to my my clients and my members and my patients, when the going gets tough, you want to double down. That's when you want to make sure you're getting your sleep, make sure you're moving your body, make sure you eat food that feels good to you. Make sure you do your stress reduction, right? Med either meditation or yoga or heart math or focused breathing, whatever's going to, for you, be your stress reducer. So it's really important to, those are the, those are the foundational platform behaviors that keep us healthy. So when things get tough, those need to be your backstop, right? Like, okay, I'm really stressed, but I'm not going to eat cake and candy and cookies and drink four cups of coffee every day. I'm going to stay on my eating plan. I'm going to get to bed on time. I'm going to set boundaries to keep taking care of myself because you really can't take care of everyone when you're tapped out. You know, it's, it's difficult. And Wendy, I must ask you here because just recently somebody was talking to me saying that, I'm fine, I'm so focused. And then when stress comes, everything derails and I have zero control and that's when I'm eating. And you pointed that out. But this person said to me that it's not as simple as just telling myself that, hey, eat healthy. I just don't know what happens. Something takes control of me during that time and I'm not who I am. And before I know it, I've gained a ton of weight. I feel horrible. My joints hurt. So it's probably not quite as simple for some of us. I mean, maybe there are some of us who can just say, hey, just stay on track. But the truth is there are also people who they want to. The intention is there. But they say that something just happens and I don't know, I've lost control. And before I know it, I'm in this space. Um, is there a tool that they could use? Because this person actually asked me about this, that yeah. what can I do to retrain my mindset during this time? Mm-hmm. This is really critical, Deepa, because you're right. It's not just a simple thing of mind over matter. People get get real in their face craving. So first you have to understand, well, what's causing that? Okay. When your body feels stressed, your adrenals kick into gear. That's your fight, flight, or freeze, your cortisol, your sympathetic response. It kicks in. When that happens, the adrenals signal the rest of the body that some things need to happen. So the first thing that happens is you shut your detox down. The second thing that happens is you shut down digestion and excretion. You don't need to be doing those things if a lion is going to eat you. So you shut those core functions down. The next thing you do is instead of detoxing in the liver, the liver releases what's called glycogen. Glycogen are these chains of glucose stuck together, and they can serve as quick energy when you need to run from a lion. So the the adrenals and the body will direct that sugar to your running muscles those are your legs right because we the body thinks you have to run away 
And if you don't have enough glycogen in your liver, or if you run out of stores, or if the stress keeps going, you're going to start to crave because your body thinks I need quick energy. So there's a couple things to do. One, let's go back to, if you're feeling these cravings, you need to slow down. One, take a deep breath or 20 deep breaths. Take a few minutes to get present in your body. It's very possible when you have craving for sugar that you're just plumb hungry. You might just be hungry. And so understanding that you need protein and you need high quality fiber and, and high quality carbohydrates, complex carbohydrates, when you feel that way, start with a meal. Feel free to eat a meal. You might just be hungry. And if the cravings don't go away, then there's a couple of things. You're gonna, there's, there's a lot of different stages to this, but if you've eaten a meal, you still have the cravings, you wanna see what you can alleviate that feeling with that's a better option. So for example, we have this sunflower seed butter and it's not very sweet. And we'll put it with cacao powder and blueberries and, and plain yogurt. Maybe to some people, this sounds terrible to me. I'm like, oh, that's really exciting. It's like my favorite snack. It's fat. It's a little bit of carb, but it's mostly fat. And those often will help people really break that craving. So you have something that'll that'll break the habit, okay? And, and then sometimes you need to have a little bit. But the other part of it is it's really important when you're having food cravings to make sure you get out of the kitchen. Do not sit in the kitchen. Do not have food out on the counter unless it's food that you want to be snacking on because the power of suggestion is overwhelming. You walk by it and you'll be like, I must have that. I wasn't hungry three minutes ago, but in the minute I see my kids Pringles, I'm like, oh, I need that. No, I don't need that. And I don't eat that. But the power of suggestion is huge. So there's another layer to that, which is at night, which is typically when people get stressed and tired and crave. You know, we don't crave ice cream at eight in the morning. We crave it at 8 p.m. But what we also need to recognize is being on computers, being on screens, being on the TV, being on social media, they're all very suggestive. And it's very stressful and it will induce a stress response. And so not only from the stress response avoidance, but also because we want not to get fed all of these images of, okay, eat, eat this and you're hungry for this and here's this yummy thing. We're all very visual creatures. And so seeing all these ads for food as we're scrolling or on TV is suggestive. So all of a sudden you need popcorn, but wait, why? It's because you just saw an ad for something carby and that's how you interpreted it. So there's a lot of trip tricks and techniques, but the first is to think maybe I'm just hungry and feed the body what it needs. It might go away. And I really appreciated, Wendy, that you spoke about your snack and then you added the bit that it might not seem appealing to many, but I love it. And I think that's such an important statement because you're bringing attention to choose whatever makes sense, but choose it using these frameworks versus giving something which really may not, you know, a lot of times when uh, somebody suggests that a client have something, maybe a particular smoothie or a salad, and then they don't quite like it, they don't connect to it, and then it's setting them up for lack of consistency. Whereas you mm -hmm. are guiding us to use frameworks, choose more facts, but do it in a way that makes sense to you. And I just wanted to 
take a moment to say how important that distinction is. But I would like us to now talk about, yeah, you had something to add? Yeah, I'd like to add to that, Tipa. Thanks for bringing that up. Because, you know, if you're used to eating a lot of processed food and a lot of sugar, your taste buds will be accustomed to a particular level of sweetness. And so it's really important that as you start the process to wean down how much sugar you're eating, that you remember it's a process. So you're going to go through a washout and you're going to go through, oh, this doesn't feel as sweet. But after two weeks of not eating any sweets, you'll notice that something you eat is a lot sweeter. So the things that most people might say, oh, that doesn't really taste good to me because I've been off of sugar for so many years you know, my kids and I will go through this, they'll eat something and say it's yummy, and I'll eat something and be like, it's too sweet for me. So you do retrain your taste buds to appreciate lower levels of sugar. Oh, absolutely. And I think that this goes also, Wendy, for spices, for salt, the crunchy snacks, and you know, when yeah. we've trained ourselves to have high amounts of salt, and then you'll see that when you cook for somebody and they say, oh, there's no salt at all. Uh, and uh, it's just a thing about retraining. But I'd love to go back into our main conversation, which is talk about toxicity, fatigue. Sure. You spoke about it in the beginning, about uh, how it impacts cellular function. But what are the systems that get impacted? Are there certain people who are specifically vulnerable to the effects of feeling the onset of chronic fatigue and of course what can we do about it once we're in that state where no matter what we do we are just plain fatigued yeah i think there's a lot that goes into this deepa and i have to acknowledge i only see women so i'm very biased because i think oh, okay it's mostly women but <laughs> uh, one of my friends evan hirsch has had severe fatigue and came up with this whole fatigue roadmap so I think, uh, and Ari Witten had terrible fatigue and dealt with it because it was mitochondrial dysfunction. So it's not to say that men aren't impacted. They are. I just don't see them in my practice. So it, it impacts men or women. And I think when you look at who are the vulnerable people, I think it's typically someone who has some type of exposure either to mycotoxins, which come from water damaged buildings, schools, dorm rooms, works, you know, offices. I had a patient who I saw today, actually, whose car was moldy. So she got rid of her car and, and bought another one. So there's certain people who have an exposure to something. My my fatigue started after I had a, a very large lead exposure in France after Notre Dame burned. So some type of exposure, and that exposure could also be not necessarily toxic in nature, but infectious in nature. Epstein-Barr, cytomegalovirus, COVID, uh, let's see, mononucleosis, which is related to the Epstein-Barr. There's a lot of things, strep, there's a lot of infections, Lyme disease. People can have infections that set them up for dysfunction in the system. And then all it takes is like one puff of air blowing on them and they no longer have the resiliency to function. Often these are people who have genetic issues with detox, but not always. Sometimes you've just asked your body for too much and it can no longer compensate. And Wendy, what, I know this tricky, tricky conversation, but what about vaccination, booster dose? What about the impact on fatigue? Yeah, so so think of, so when you get vaccinations in general, they suppress your immune system. 
And so if you're vulnerable for another infection or you have an underlying stressor or your system is, think of it like a cup and your cup is filling up or your rain barrel is filling up. When your rain barrel fills up and overflows, you'll have symptoms. So if that vaccine is the, is the last drop that broke that, that tension of the surface and sent the water over the edge, that's, that's the inciting event or the trigger. So fatigue, when you think about it, is really the the entry, not the entry point, the, the intersection of all of the, the genetics we have, the triggers we have, the predispositions we have, the way we live, those all feed into this diagnosis of fatigue where we wind up with, what's going on here? You know, but something happened to send us off the off the cliff. And I know that we don't have too much time, Wendy, so I'd love to spend the time talking about what can we do. And let's just say mm -hmm. that I'm really, I've tried everything. I'm just tired all the time and no matter what I do, and it's not like I'm taking, uh, not like I'm eating a terrible diet. Let's say I'm somebody who's eating well. I'm really trying my best. So I'm doing all what I think is really good for me. And yet I'm just struggling with fatigue. So walk us through step by step of what could we do in this case? Like, do we first assess is our diet truly what is right for us? We might be thinking we're eating healthy, but maybe there's something in there which is impacting. And I know in our last conversation, we spoke about nuances of gluten which I really agreed with you where you know a lot of times yeah. it's a blanket no gluten statement but you distinguished between how gluten can also be whole cooked barley versus processed croissants so I think that just tell us how do we go about this yeah, I think Deepa, it's important to be systematic. And and I always take this approach with the people I see in our bricks and mortar practice. So everyone wants to address and deal with toxins. And I'm like, those are really cool, but you can't deal with toxins until you've addressed the foundations of your life. That is your food always deserves a second look. You know, that you 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 won't ever regret having a consultation to evaluate whether your food is really optimized. So truly optimize the food, minimize sugar, processed carbs, artificial colors, artificial flavors, minimize or eliminate alcohol, minimize or eliminate sugar. So start to systematically work on those. That's the food. And you have Wendy, to... one moment before we go sure. ahead, you know, you listed it out beautifully. And then I just thought of myself when at times when I tell some clients these foods and they said, I mean, what is left? You've taken away my entire life. Uh, so what no. do we what do we talk about when it's a feeling like that? Sometimes it's just that's a lot of what somebody is having and they feel that a sense of, oh, life is over and you've taken away everything that I like. So could we have a yeah. quick talk a little bit about mindset here? Sure. I think it's really important, Deepa, to remember that people will only act when things are what I'll call bad enough. I think 95% of humans need to have a problem they respond to. And three to 5%, so 95 to 97% need a problem and three to 5% of people want to be healthy for the sake of being healthy. So when you think about the majority of us need to respond to a problem, 
my question to them is, okay, well, is it bad enough to make a change or do you want to keep suffering? You know, and sort of low level suffering. And if you're not ready to make a change, it's okay. There's nothing that says you have to, but when it's bad enough, that's when you're going to want to intervene. And so if people's response to that coaching of, hey, it's time to level up your food. And I never really say to people about dieting because I really believe that what we should do, what we do should be sustainable and, and, and livable, you know, right? So there are programs where you do for six to 12 weeks, but it's not meant to do for life. It's meant as a short reset. So my response to people who don't want to take the coaching is, okay, well, it sounds like things aren't bad enough yet to intervene. So let's, let's wait. You know, you're going to get worse. I promise you, you're going to get worse. You can come back. I'll be here. That's one approach. And then the other is to really look at the attachments we have to food, because a lot of them are based in our childhood. What did we eat growing up? What did our mother serve at this particular day of the week time? What food did we eat when we felt sad or scared or anxious? So to really start to untangle that the food doesn't mean what we think it means. It means what we make it mean. And so thinking about why am I eating this? Am I eating this because it reminds me of when I was seven and my mother made me feel comfortable? That's a lot different than I'm eating this because I want to be strong and vital, vibrant, healthy, and have my have my life back and have my joints not hurt. So you got to find a why that will be powerful enough. And um, I always find it useful to do this in community because no human is an island. So if you're eating celery sticks and everyone else is eating chips and dip, of course you're going to feel left out. So one is to see, can you get the people around you to do it with you? And the other is always have something that you bring with you if you're going to other people's houses that that makes you feel good, that that makes you feel included. Maybe you bring a dish for everyone to eat that is in your in your path and your roadmap so that you don't feel left out. Yep, go ahead. And I think I interrupted you. You were talking about food and I stopped you for a second. So let's come into the other areas. It's good. Thank you for reminding me because I was like, what were we talking about? So, okay. So food, sleep, get more of it, move your body. Now, when you have fatigue, sometimes walking out to the mailbox or walking down your driveway is is a challenge. So do what will work for your body push it a little bit, but don't push it too much. Cause especially if you have chronic fatigue, pushing it a little bit is going to keep you in bed for a week. So, so listen to your body, but if you can sweat, sweat every day. Can I add something here, Wendy? I know I just sure. want to say that, you know, when you're very tired and you're struggling to exercise, what I love to do and have people do is upside down poses and yoga, mm. if it's possible Uh, And I think they give you so much energy without you doing active movement because you're just upside down and you encourage that blood circulation. So I'm a huge proponent of inversions for fatigue. So I just wanted to throw that in. I'm curious if that activates the vagus nerve. You know, I'm, I'm really curious. I don't know, but that makes sense that it would and would be helpful. And certainly the, the, you know, bringing the blood to the head is a good thing. So that's a, that's actually such a great idea. Yeah. Uh, so move your body to the best of your ability, manage your stress, right? Let it go. As Elsa said, let it go. Can't hold it back anymore. Right. Just let that go. And sometimes you need to quit your job. 
Sometimes you need to quit your relationship. Sometimes you need to move. If you're not in a place that is supportive and welcoming and, and healthy for you and it's toxic, it's very stressful and it has its own effect on your system. So ensure that you're managing your stress and your relationships. Okay. And then poop every day, every day, at least once, because when you poop, you get rid of toxins. And so uh, pee and poop and sweat. Those are the three big ways you can breathe it out also. So work on ensuring that you're moving, moving the lymph and moving your toxins every day. Okay. So those are foundational. You have to fix the gut. If the gut is not healthy, it's very difficult to fix fatigue. So make sure that there's no dysbiosis, no overgrowth in uh, inflammation, uh, improper digestion, hormone is hormones are balanced. Really look at all of the pieces to it because those are going to have an impact. So work on the gut, the food, the movement, the stress and the sleep. Those are the big things. And uh, any specific nutrients, Wendy, in this that, you know, people are always researching, looking out for new things and companies are coming out with great products. But at times I feel the challenge becomes that they can be taking too many because they're just taking something that they see everywhere. And if you had to pick, what would you say would be your top recommendations in the context of fatigue? I think that you want to put this into buckets. So there's the bucket of the the cool devices that you can participate in. So I'll put hyperbaric oxygen, sauna, uh, pulsed electromagnetic frequency, infrared mats, um, meditation devices that help you guide and, and de-stress, IV therapy. I'll put that into like cool stuff. So you can do IV therapy for vitamin C and, and B vitamins and magnesium and zinc. These will all support the system. And then there's the supplements that you can focus on or food. So things like the B vitamins, the cruciferous vegetables, the pasture raised grass fed, grass finished flesh, whatever you eat, you know, it, it, there's a wide range of what's possible. Uh, organic pesticide, and pesticide-free vegetables, soy, nuts. There's So really looking at a, essentially an organic, minimized grain Mediterranean-type diet or eating plan is excellent for ensuring that you get the wide range. And also a lot of the um, East, East, East Asian, the Eastern spices like turmeric, uh, cumin, ginger, pepper, all of these things that are going to raise the heat are also very good for phase one and phase two in the liver. Beautiful. Any final words, Wendy? And I think I just wanted to tell our listeners that, uh, I mean, there was a lot of nuances to our conversation today. So just to take all the little things that are hidden because you speak with the level of depth and insight and I think I always appreciate some things that you go into the nuances of which is a bit different from a lot of practitioners so any final words regarding our conversation today 
Yeah, I would I would say my final thought on this is you are meant to be vital, vibrant, healthy, able and interested in intimacy till you're at least 100 and that every decade gets better than the one before. So if you're not on that path, I would say it's important to find a provider you resonate with who works for you and your philosophy and work with them. Essentially, it's a functional medicine consult to get well because it's possible. All hope is not lost. You can feel better. Oh, absolutely. And where can people just remind us, where would you like people to find you your most? I know I watched you on Instagram just a few days ago. You were talking about the sauna. Yeah. Uh, so what's your best? Yeah. So Instagram, Instagram and Facebook, I'm at Wendy Trubo MD. And then we, we have a bricks and mortar in Newton, Massachusetts. So if you're in the Northeast, you can come to the bricks and mortar. That's fivejourneys.com. And if you're not local to five journeys because most people aren't we have an online platform which is called dirty girl detox and that you can do programs and get supplements to help detox and help your hormone balance and join a community of people who are all like-minded so you sort of have two wings depending on where you are and what you're looking for beautiful such a pleasure talking to you again dr trubo and um if any of you out there have not read Dr. Trubo's book, Dirty Girl, you must go and pick it up. Chronic fatigue and not feeling revived after a good night's sleep is not something to ignore. Start with core foundational principles such as eating well, eating three meals and getting adequate protein with your lunch. Move your body even if you feel exhausted Start with some gentle yoga. Yoga is powerful in moving prana, the subtle energy. After 25 years of teaching yoga, I still hear that yoga is the energy pill from my students. Have a great day. This podcast is intended to provide helpful and informative material on the subject matter covered in the episodes. The podcast is not acting in the capacity of a doctor or a registered dietitian and is not rendering any professional healthcare or medical service. The information in the podcast is not intended as a substitute for medical advice or services or as treatment or cure for any particular health condition. The advice and tools contained herein may not be suitable for your situation. Any medical questions regarding contraindications and cautions or any questions of whether or not to proceed with any practices provided in the show should be referred to qualified health professionals before adopting the same. The podcast specifically disclaims any responsibility for any liability, loss, risk, personal or otherwise which may be incurred as a direct or indirect consequence of the use of information from this podcast or the application, adoption of any of the information provided.